Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. Thanks so much for taking a few moments of your precious time this weekend to think with us about the meaning of God's Word and the Jewish perspective of even the New Testament. I mean, we usually think of the Old Testament as giving us a Jewish perspective, but if you remember, Jesus was a Jew, Matthew was Jewish, and as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we have to understand that um, a lot of the ways that things were phrased and said and the relationship between Jesus and Moses and the Hebrew Scriptures in general is something that is very, very important to understand uh, the Gospel of Matthew uh, with some depth. And so we've been working our way slowly through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we don't know how many times or on how many mounts Jesus uh, gave the sermon. I got to tell you, though, that the, the Sermon Mount in the Galilee has got to be one of my favorite places in Israel. Jewish people love the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, it really spoke to my heart uh, because it it just seems so Jewish, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's so practical and it's so filled with uh, wisdom, and it just makes sense, the Sermon on the Mount, that even though Jesus sort of has a tarnished image within the Jewish community, when people read the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, you can even test your Jewish friends sometime, read, read them a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount and say, who do you think said this? And uh, when they say, I don't know, you say, well, it was Jesus. They said, wow, Jesus said that. And the Sermon on the Mount is what I call Jesus' best foot forward. And uh, so it's a great way to introduce a Jewish person. And uh, when I was thinking about Jesus as a 19-year-old uh, Jewish guy, uh, six years away from my bar mitzvah, raised pretty religious. I'm telling you, when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I was thunderstruck. I mean, I just, I just felt peace just reading the Sermon on the Mount, hmm. and it just seemed so right to me. And uh, so it really helped me come to grips and c- cross that uh, incredible 2,000-year-old chasm between Judaism and Christianity. It really helped me uh, cross it. So it's been a bridge for me in my own life. So we're going to take another look at it. We've been exploring the sermon. Uh, With me is Bobby Walter, the Chosen People Director of the New York area, and he is also uh, one of the pastors or rabbis of our Messianic congregation, Beth Sar Shalom, House of the Prince of Peace in Brooklyn, New York City. And Bobby loves the Gospel of Matthew and has done a lot of study on it, has taught a wonderful course on the Gospel of Matthew. And so, Bobby, it's wonderful to have you share this this time with me. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, so, shalom to you and shalom to uh, all of our listeners. Uh, as always, we're grateful that you're joining us. And uh, Mitch, you're right. I love Matthew's Gospel and uh, particularly the Sermon on the Mount because of everything that you just said. It is powerful. And one thing that we've really tried to emphasize so far on uh, prior episodes as we're discussing the Sermon on the Mount is the particular authority with which Jesus presents and teaches this sermon. So what do you say, Mitch? How about we jump in and sort of pick up where we left off in Matthew 5, 
beginning in verse 21 and really going through the end of chapter 5, verse 48. This is where we see Jesus begin to make really uh, profound application and give a, a divinely authoritative interpretations of the words of Moses. Uh, and we have this formula, right, where he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Now, Mitch, I know that you want to share a little bit about that particular formula that he was using. Well, Bobby, I think you, we have to first mention one of the great messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, actually in the Torah, in the five books of Moses. Mm -hmm. And this prophecy was actually given by Moses himself. So Moses actually predicted that someone greater than he would come and that we must heed his words, that right. Israel must heed his words. Right. So verse uh, 15 of Deuteronomy uh, 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. So it would be like Moses from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. Then later on in, in verse 18, Moses says, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. And listen to this, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So clearly, Moses himself, who received God's revelation on Mount Sinai directly from God, mm -hmm. is actually saying that there's going to be a greater prophet one day who will come with a greater truth. Now, it doesn't mean that the Old Testament or the words of Moses are passe. It right. doesn't mean that they were of lesser value. There's a progress to the revelation of Scripture that's important to understand. Mount Sinai was one mountain. Mount Calvary is another mountain. Mm -hmm. And Mount Sinai pointed to Mount Calvary. And, of course, I believe it all points to the Mount of Olives, where we're in that very last day Jesus is going to return and split that mountain in half Amen. and establish his kingdom. And so when we read words like in verse 21, where Jesus is saying, you heard that the ancients were told, because in Jewish tradition, Moses passed the words that he received from God on Mount Sinai to the Levites. Then the Levites passed it along to the Jewish people. And this passing along of the Torah, of the words of God, is very important within Judaism. Over the years, those words have become basically encrusted with tradition. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult for a Jewish person to see past the tradition, which is good-hearted because the rabbis were just trying to tell us how to fulfill the, the law so right. that we could keep it. There was nothing negative about it. But the tradition tend to, uh, to some degree, and the, the opinions of rabbis commenting on what Moses said or what Moses received on Mount Sinai, it, it sort of took away from the Torah itself. So Jesus makes a stand for the author of Revelation and his own lordship and his own messiahship and his own authority which would be greater than Moses, and therefore, as you read these passages, you understand in light of Deuteronomy 18, Jesus is asserting his authority over Moses. He's saying, the revelation has progressed. Moses spoke of me. You were obedient to his words, now you need to be obedient to my words. You've heard it said by Moses, 
through Jewish tradition, through the rabbis, but now in this first century, <laughs> I'm the Messiah. I am the last word, Hebrews chapter 1, in these last days he's spoken to us through his son. I am the last word on the interpretation and the understanding of Torah. In fact, it was progressing and moving towards me. And so it is a uh, sort of a conflict situation. Who is the greater authority to reveal God's truth? Who is it? Is it Moses? Is it the rabbis? Is it Jesus? And clearly, in this instance, Jesus is saying very, very, very powerfully that it's, it's him. But I don't want anybody to think that just because Jesus is asserting his authority over Moses, which is only right because Moses predicted it, he is not in any way in conflict or in contradiction to the message of God's word that was given on Mount Sinai through Moses. Right. Correct, Bobby? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what we find, uh, rather than Jesus interacting with uh, the words of Moses and then abrogating or contradicting or getting rid of what Moses had to say. Instead, like you said, uh, what Yeshua does, what Jesus does, is he gives the divinely authoritative interpretation. And a lot of times, those sort of added statements that Jesus inserts are also based on what Moses said. You know, Bobby, there is uh, something else that uh, just knowing Jewish tradition and Jewish life that gives us a little bit of insight into maybe why Jesus chose the content for the sermon that he did choose. Hmm. Commonly in Judaism, the rabbis considered the giving of alms or the giving of charity, prayer, and fasting as three chief acts that reflected Jewish spirituality. And so you can see that he deals with all of these issues. He says, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. So in other words, Jesus is again going to the heart. And so these are all good spiritual disciplines, but we're to do them in a way that honors God and that doesn't bring honor to ourselves. Yes, Jesus is helping the community, his audience, his disciples and, and Israel and ultimately the nations uh, take it a step further and deeper, that it's not always just about uh, sort of like a wooden interpretation of what Moses said. There is a heart issue, a heart matter behind each and every one of these commandments. And what Jesus is doing is he's sort of shaking us out of any kind of misconception that we might have about these and helping us see the heart of these commandments. I think Jesus is constantly saying, we need to take this further. I love verse 43. I mean, it's so obvious here. Look, look at what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then verse 44, he says, but I say, I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that they may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. And uh, he, verse 46, he explains that if you love those who love you, what reward is it? Do not even the tax collectors uh, do the same. And so I think that it's so clear that what Jesus is saying is don't just keep the Torah. What Moses gave you is true, but you have to get to the heart of the matter. And I'm going to help you get to the heart of the matter. And um, 
to me, it even speaks of the giving of the new covenant because the new covenant promised in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 35, spoke about the law being written where? On our our hearts. hearts. And so uh, the law can be external to us. We can obey its words, but what Jesus is saying, you've got to obey God from the heart. Don't just do what he says. Understand that you've got to do it from your heart. But we can't do that, can we? Brothers and sisters, you know this, and I know it. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so some people say, are we supposed to keep the law? Is that is that what we're supposed to do? I would say, no, you need to go beyond it. Mm. <laughs> it's not enough to keep the law. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, because we've been transformed and forgiven, we can be like the Lord. We can actually be like God. And that's what he said in verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I think that that's the message that Jesus brings as a fulfillment of the law and the prophets, which Matthew, of course, stated in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul writes that Jesus' resurrection, which believers around the world celebrate during Easter, is the most significant event in history. Without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith would be meaningless. But did you know that Jesus' resurrection is also an allusion to the biblical holiday known as first fruits? God commanded the nation of Israel to offer the first fruits of their harvest to him on the Sabbath following Passover. And if you'd like to learn more about this special set-apart season, then please ask for the booklet, Passover, A Time of Redemption. You can request a free copy online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for the free booklet, Passover, A Time of Redemption, when you call us at 888-293-7482. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thank you for reaching out. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Well, it's pretty clear to us that Jesus made a way for us to have a new life and everlasting peace. But this wonderful gift was bought with a price. And during the Passover season, we remember that cost. So right now, what we'd like to do is give you a sneak peek into the special Passover season that begins on April 5th at sundown. Now, what Bobby's not telling you is that he's the one who is in this little section, and uh, he does a wonderful job in describing uh, the relationship between Jesus himself and the Passover lamb, because he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So listen carefully to Bobby. I know that you're going to love it. When John the Baptist first saw Jesus coming toward him, he declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When John uttered these prophetic words, he was not just pulling them out of thin air. He was speaking of the death of Jesus using Passover language. Paul did the same thing in 1 Corinthians 5-7 when he wrote, For Messiah, our Passover has been sacrificed. As he is writing, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, the man that God used to communicate so much great theology to us about sin, salvation, and forgiveness, he presents the sacrificial death of Jesus through the lens of the Passover. 
both John and Paul are essentially saying that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Now, there is much that we can say about how the Passover lamb in Egypt parallels and prophetically foreshadows the experience of Jesus, our Passover lamb. But for now, here are three points to consider. First, the timing of the Passover lamb being brought into the homes of the Israelites is the same day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Exodus 12.3 tells us that the lamb was brought into the house on the 10th day of the first month. The lamb would then remain in the home for the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th day for a total of five days. When we come to the New Testament, we read John 12.1, where it states that Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. A few verses later in John 12.12, we are told on the next day, so five days before the Passover, the same day that the lambs were being brought into the homes, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. The second point of connection that we can look at is the examination process that took place once the lamb was in the home. Exodus 12 verses 5 and 6 tell us that the people were to keep the lamb in their home for those five days and they were to watch it, guard it, and examine it to make certain that it was unblemished and without defect, perfect, before they slayed it at twilight on the 14th day of the month. When it comes to Jesus, we observe the same thing. After he entered Jerusalem, he spent much of his time in the temple complex where he was examined by the leadership. As he was teaching, preaching, and healing, he was often approached by different groups and presented with challenging questions and situations. While some were genuine, others had ulterior motives. The leaders were trying to find a defect in him something that could be used to reject him. The intensity of this examination process heightened when he was arrested and put on trial in the home of the high priest. In Mark 14, 53-65, we again see different accusers coming and bearing false witness against Jesus, but they were found to be inconsistent. They could find no defect in him. Finally, the high priest stood up and came face to face with Jesus, asking him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus responded, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. With this response, quoting from Psalm 110 and Daniel chapter 7, Jesus clearly affirmed that he is the Messiah, and not just any Messiah, but he is the divine Messiah that is portrayed in those Old Testament passages that he quoted. With those words, the examination was complete. The group thought that they had found a defect, blasphemy, equating himself with God. In reality, we know that Jesus was not blaspheming, but instead he was being very straightforward about his identity. But nevertheless, he was handed over to the Romans to be executed. 
This brings us to our final point of connection between the Passover lamb in Egypt and the Lamb of God, Jesus. There is power in their shed blood. Exodus 12:13 tells us that the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. As Israel trusted that promise from God and then by faith applied the blood of the lamb to their doorposts, we see that it was the blood of the lamb that served as the operative means for Israel's redemption and deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And so too, there is power in the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb. As he shed his blood for us on the cross on that fateful Passover 2,000 years ago, God provided the operative means for Israel's and the world's redemption and deliverance from slavery to sin. As Peter reminds us, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Messiah. So as Passover begins this year, let us boldly celebrate the lamb who was slain, who alone is worthy to receive honor, glory, and blessing. Jesus, our Messiah, our King, and our Passover. And let us point others toward him, letting them know that they too can be set free through his blood. One of the greatest challenges the Jewish people have faced over the centuries is how to preserve our heritage while looking forward to the future. And that sums up the goal of Chosen People Ministries. We believe with all our hearts that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that Jesus is the promised Messiah of Israel, and that the simple message of His death and resurrection has the power to transform the lives of Jewish people and Gentiles all over the world. And we'd love for you to partner with us. With your prayers and financial donations, we will keep proclaiming the gospel until we see him face to face. Learn more online at chosenpeople.com radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com radio. We look forward to connecting with you soon. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. Well, Passover and Easter are right around the corner, and we want to help you learn as much as you can about these two special holidays. And so if you connect with us right now, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, Passover, A Time of Redemption, for free. That's right, Bobby. You know, we understand that many believers don't really understand all that much about Passover. I mean, if you weren't raised Jewish, why would you? But it really is a powerful foreshadowing of Jesus' sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. And you can learn more about this when you request a copy on our website. Just go to chosenpeople.com slash radio. We'd love to send you the book. You can also ask for the book, Passover, a time of redemption, when you call us at 
293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA. And then when you reach out today, don't forget to let us know how you heard about this program. And now let's wrap up today with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach. Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.